Today on Ag News Daily. Going into this field, it's it's really working with the ways to promote that. And it, it just gets me excited at the fact that, you know, you're, it's an industry that essentially houses the world. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Friday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. And it is a Friday indeed. I'm Delaney Howell, joined by Ashton Carr and Mike Pearson. And guys, we've got a lot of great content coming in this podcast. We've got a funny bit Friday from Tim, the dairy farmer. We've got a great conversation coming up with a young agricultural communicator. And it's Friday. So what do you have to be unhappy about, really? Exactly, Delaney. I'm pretty excited to kick off the weekend. It was a really short week, but first I've got a little bit of news to share. I have another coronavirus food assistance program update. I know we've been talking about it so much, but it is, I think, a very large piece of news that we should continue to keep an eye out on. The FSA released more details on grain contracts that are eligible for the much-talked-about CFAP. (laughs) Illinois FSA Executive Director Bill Graff told Brownfield Ag News that basically basis contracts, basis fixed contracts, no price established, delayed price or deferred price contracts are going to be eligible for CFAP. They're going to be eligible to be counted into your inventory subject to price risk. So these new details sound like good news for those grain farmers who might not have been eligible for assistance or who didn't know if they would be eligible for CFAP. Yeah, I think that definitely added some clarity Uh, I think we knew that some new pieces of information were coming out. So it sounds like this is one of them. I believe they're still continuing to release new information and we'll continue to report that as it trickles out the pipeline. But I'm glad you're staying on top of that, Ashton. Of course, Delaney. Um, What kind of news are you looking at today? Well, you know, I feel like a dummy. No, that's not the best word to use. But I feel like we should have talked about this yesterday in the podcast and this totally slipped my radar. But President Trump is expected to make... Some some rumored announcements today on what's going on right now in Hong Kong and China both. So for those of you that have been watching mainstream news, I'm sure you've seen this on there. There's a lot of political unrest again going on in Hong Kong with riots and protesters and such. And so the U.S. gave Hong Kong special status a while back so that they did not have to come under sanctions imposed on China. So it's largely speculated by folks that perhaps today President Trump will be revoking that special status granted to Hong Kong. And effectively, if that happens, they become part of China and will not get special status when it comes to trade. So I don't know for sure what time President Trump is expected to speak today. Uh, We're recording this podcast early afternoon Friday. I think maybe it's going to be later this afternoon, um, but that's something to definitely keep an eye on today to see what happens there. Mike, I know you watch a lot of geopolitical events. Do you have anything else to add to that? Yeah, you know, I just I'm glad you brought that up because it is definitely something that is putting some risk in the markets here heading into the weekend. Uh, There were some really positive technical factors looking at a lot of the market pricing as we worked through this week. We had export sales that, you know, kind of were a little subpar in the corn market, but soybeans were right on track, should have continued the positive movement in beans that we saw going on this week. However, Delaney, you're exactly right. Last night, President Trump said he's going to come out today and he is 
going to make some announcement. Uh, we don't know what he's going to say. He was asked yesterday about the phase one agreement with China, which, of course, we've talked a lot on this podcast about. I won't rehash it for our listeners. But Trump didn't respond about phase one at all. He said, we're not happy with what China is doing with regard to Hong Kong. Effectively, Delaney touched on it. Hong Kong has had all kinds of freedoms because it was a British protectorate. When the British handed the city of Hong Kong over to the Chinese, the Chinese said they would have one country with two systems and they would continue to allow China, uh, Hong Kong to have the freedoms that they had under the British, freedom of assembly, freedom of religion, all these other things that mainland China Chinese don't get. Well, now Beijing is really cracking down and uh, it sounds like Hong Kong, you're exactly right, is going to be kind of folded into the rest of China. And what the U.S. does might have a small impact on trade. Hong Kong doesn't buy a whole lot of agricultural products. The concern as the trade looks out over this weekend is how will China respond to President Trump's comments? And we have no idea what Trump's going to say, but the Chinese have said, we are willing to basically sacrifice phase one agreement if we're frustrated with China, with uh, with President Trump. They came out yesterday and said, you know, we'll basically stop buying, buying egg goods if President Trump offends them. And so that's what's weighing on the market today. It's definitely a big issue, folks. We'll continue to track this. I'm sure we'll be talking about it again on Monday on our hashtag Market Monday issue or episode. Yeah, I think this is definitely going to be an issue that continues to be discussed for quite a while. Another issue that we continue to discuss and watch in mainstream news is the testing at meatpacking facilities. So we are continuing to see testing of workers at meatpacking facilities. I've heard of some facilities, and not just in the meatpacking industry, but also in other industries where you're required to have your temperature taken before you can go into the building. You, of course, have to be wearing a face mask and other protective equipment. Um, But we're watching here to see what the National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health, or OSHA is going to be doing about labor moving forward, specifically in meatpacking facilities. They say that there's not a ton of guidance and we, be, we need to begin thinking a little more seriously about how to test all these employees at meatpacking plants. And not only that, but what do we do long term to ensure that something like this doesn't happen again? So we're continuing to watch that story and um, figuring out, you know, what really needs to be done from a guidance perspective or from a rule making and uh, standard perspective in meat packing, meat packing and processing facilities. That's kind of a mouthful. It is. And Delaney, I just have a quick update while you're talking about this issue. It was reported yesterday that we have another meat packing plant closed down. Did you talk about that on the show yesterday that I missed? No, I didn't. Aha. So the Tyson Foods plant in Storm Lake, Iowa closed down yesterday after, uh, I guess, the state of Iowa or perhaps Tyson. I'm not sure. Somebody ramped up testing in the facility. I believe they found 555 cases present. So Tyson has said they'll shut the plant down. They'll do a deep clean, probably get back online with those CDC and OSHA guidelines before it's allowed to reopen. All right. Well, hopefully it's a quick turnaround shutdown process and then having them be able to reopen pretty quickly. Yes, hopefully. Ashton, what other news are you watching today? So I'm going to take things down to Argentina. Shallow water is due to drought in the Parana River. Parana River. 
I'm not really good with pronunciation, so you'll have to excuse me there. Um, but it's at the lowest water level in 50 years, which is creating issues in transportation and soy meal production. It's expected to slow exports through September and with extra steps being taken to get the job done and less than ideal ways extra costs are being added. And likewise, transportation issues in Argentina is likely to throw off world trade flow as buyers look to exports in Brazil and the U.S. Yeah, that is going to be an issue. You know, we reported, I think it was just about a week ago, that uh, part of the riverbank of the Piranha River had collapsed in the river. They're still working on dredging that out. So this is going to be something that could benefit American soybean. However, we're still seeing a lot of the purchases slip to Brazil due to the weakness of the real. So that is going to be an ongoing concern, but good job finding that story, Ashton. Yes, you are just becoming quite a natural at it, aren't you? I'm trying my hardest. <laughs> well, Do you have any other news stories? Oh, you sorry. know, I nope, I certainly don't, Mike. I was just about to say, should we check out today's funny bit with Tim the Dairy Farmer? Let's do that, but I've got one quick announcement. This is coming from the state of Georgia. We have seen over the past few years uh, a lot of discussion being had about checkoffs, both in all, in, well, I should say in all industries, dairy, beef, pork, soybean, et cetera. And, uh, you know, some folks have come out very strongly in favor of the checkoff. Some have come opposed to it. I know Iowa just recently voted on the checkoff here not too very long ago. Well, Georgia is voting on their state checkoff. So if you are a cattleman down in Georgia, you have the chance from June 1st through the 30th to cast a vote whether or not to keep the state checkoff. It won't change the national checkoff that's established in federal law, but the state checkoff uh, you know, you is now under referendum to see if it sticks around. So, you know, contact the, uh, uh, let's see, who did you contact? I suppose Georgia Department of Agriculture. Okay. Yes, go to gabeefballot.com and there's uh, where you can get your ballot to vote on the issue. Sounds good, Mike. Well, let's turn it over to Tim, the dairy farmer. Tim the Dairy Farmer here. I would like to think that early settlers of what we know as civilization were smart intellectuals. Maybe they had philosophical discussions about how they as city council or township directors would leave their legacy behind for future generations. Not! Not a chance in Hell's Half Acre, Kentucky! Tim, how could you? That's the name of a real town in Kentucky. Our predecessors were pranksters. This ain't just a one-time thing. This country is filled with thousands of crazy named towns. How would you like to be the chief of police in Nimrod, Minnesota? Or even a beauty salon owner in Possum Grape, Arkansas? These next three states aren't even close to each other, so I know this wasn't just a regional joke. Gas, Kansas, Slick Poo, Idaho, and Mud Butt, South Dakota. I can't make this stuff up. Georgia has some of the greatest town names like Experiment Georgia. Their motto is, we're not sure if this town's going to work, but this is what we have. And hope you like it, Georgia. Come visit Georgia. We have a great personality. My home state of Florida has made the top 10 with Lulu, Waldo, and Yeehaw Junction. At this point, I'm starting to realize why Prohibition was started. You know the guy in shipping at Amazon is wondering if someone is playing a prank on him when he starts seeing shipments to Ding Dong, Texas, Accident, Maryland, Lick Skillet, Tennessee, Chugwater, Wyoming, or Santa Claus, Indiana. 
Someday, I'm going to move only so someone who mails me a bill has to send it to my address in Tightwad, Missouri. Hey, this is Tim the Dairy Farmer. To hear more about me, go to timthedairyfarmer.com. I hope you all are safe and keep milking it. Well, thank you so much, Tim. Always appreciate his funny bits. And I tell you, on a day like today, they come in handy. A lot of corn and soybean growers aren't laughing today. We ended the week on a downturn. Wheat, however, was to the upside. Looking at the corn market, July corn down one and three quarters at 325 and three quarters. December new crop also down one and three quarter cents to finish at 338 and a half. In soybeans, the July was down five and a half cents at 841 and a half. November new crop down three and a half. Close the day at 852 and a half. Wheat, big move to the upside. The dollar was weaker today. That was certainly a part of it. July wheat up seven cents at 521 and a half. December new crop up six and three quarters at 533 even. And that is in Chicago wheat. Looking over at livestock, a very strong week in the cattle complex has come to an end. June live cattle down $1.75 at $99.72.50. August contract down $1.57 half at $99.60. In feeder cattle, the August front month contract down $0.15 cents at $135.35. September down $0.50. Cents. Closed the day at $135.75. Lean hogs started the day lower. However, decent pork exports on the report helped support this thing a little bit. July lean hogs up $1.3750 at 57.02 half. The August contract up $1.70, closed the day at 56.72 and a half. Looking quickly at the dairy market in class three milk, we've got mixed trade the May contract, well, which is ending here at uh, today, down a penny at 12.18. June, however, continuing its incredible rally up 59 cents, closed at 18.49. We are getting back into the realm of black ink for America's dairy producers. That is going to be well received. Another thing that is being well-received is a blog that is out there highlighting issues of agriculture. It's written by a college student, and we're going to talk with him right now. Hey, guys. I'm sure you've probably heard me mention it before, but when I'm not hosting Ag News Daily, I'm helping out with the Iowa Farm Bureau's Spokesman Speaks podcast. If you're from Iowa, you're probably familiar with the Spokesman newspaper, it has the largest readership of any ag newspaper in the state of Iowa. The Spokesman Speaks podcast is an extension of that newspaper, reaching farmers and ag professionals like you on the go with the stories that matter most. And it's not just for Iowans. This Spokesman Speaks just wrapped up a three-part series on managing farm stress in the midst of COVID-19, featuring Dr. Larry Trannell a pastoral psychologist and extension dairy specialist who has spent more than 30 years working with farm families. If you tune in, you're going to hear great tips that could help all of us right now, including how to identify and manage unhealthy stress in our lives, how to continue making effective business decisions and communicate well despite stress, and how to manage stress as a family. You can find and subscribe to the Spokesman Speaks podcast in your favorite podcast app or go to iowafarmbureau.com slash podcast. Well, for today's Fry Yay episode, we are talking to a young broadcaster, entrepreneur, I suppose you could title him, and also a young writer, Dawson Schmidt, who is the author of The Heartland Report, which we're going to get into here in just a little bit, is joining us for the podcast today. Dawson, thanks for joining. Hi, thanks for having me. 
So Dawson, before we get to talking about the Heartland Report, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you even came across, you know, reaching out to us and and eventually us setting up an interview with you. Yeah, so I just grew up in a small town in Iowa. Uh, when I graduated from high school, I went to DMAC and uh, <laughs> kind of got into uh, blogging while being at DMAC because I kind of was figuring out different things that I wanted to do with uh, my career pathway of agricultural communications. And so when I kind of started doing this, I ended up finding Global Ag Network online, just uh, uh, kind of looking around on the internet and found you guys. And uh, I found, or I thought that it'd be a good way to kind of reach out and get more viewers on your, or on my blog if I uh, sent you guys a message. So Dawson, let's talk a little bit. You started blogging. You started the heartlandreport.com. What was it that prompted you to get into it in the first place? So when I, or a few, last year, uh, I started to go for an agricultural communications internship. And one of the requirements was to create a blog post. And uh, I ended up creating one. Well, it wasn't quite as well as I expected it to turn out. And uh I didn't get that internship. I thought that that was a, really an area that I can improve on. And so I ended up creating my blog essentially to keep writing, keep refining that skill. And so it kind of turned into a thing to where I wrote a couple other blog posts, um, published them, and then shared them to friends and family on Facebook. And that was kind of when I initially started getting into it. So Dawson, where do you get the information or ideas and topics to write about on your blog? Uh, mainly places I look for are podcasts, uh, newspapers, um, different social media outlets, kind of anything that, uh, kind of sparks an interest on just current uh, issues that are going on in agriculture. And Dawson, tell us about some of the blog posts or people that you've interviewed so far. So my first blog post was that I kind of made public was, uh, one during FFA week that I just kind of highlighted my time in FFA um, and talked a little bit about uh, the opportunities that it gave me, especially through the Mark Pearson scholarship at DMAC. Um, and then my next one, I actually talked about uh, kind of YouTube or farmers using YouTube to kind of get their operations out and about and to uh, let consumers know what they're really doing. And for that one, I actually interviewed um Margie from the president of FarmHer uh, to kind of get her at, her input on that aspect, as well as my aunt that also uh, has a small cattle operation uh, with her husband that she posts a lot of stuff online and has her own website and kind of goes out and uh, talks to people as well. So Dawson, you're in college now. You've gone from DMAC, also my alma mater, Des Moines Area Community College. You're now at Iowa State. You're interacting with folks that are both in agriculture, in your major, but also just students at large. I mean, just the, the regular student at Iowa State University. When you think about the kind of issues that uh, you think people need to read about, what's on, what do you keep an eye out for? What issues do you think you can really help bring out to the, uh, you know, out to the students or anybody? Uh, one big issue that I like to focus on is the need for transparency in the agricultural industry. Uh, it's kind of a big thing when you have consumers that are, you know, kind of going against what you do when they don't really actually know what you do. So I feel like that's a big issue to focus on. And that's something I feel like, you know, young farmers and just uh, young 
uh, students in general can really pinpoint, especially with, you know, focusing on social media, like Twitter and Facebook and YouTube, stuff like that. So as Mike said, you're getting your degree now from Iowa State and finishing that out here soon. So what what do you plan on doing with your agricultural communications degree? I'm an agcom student myself, so I want to hear what you maybe have planned for the future. Yeah, so I haven't really uh, narrowed it down too much yet. I kind of am trying out different things. At, at DMAC, I took a journalism course and then uh, when I go to Iowa State, I'll be taking a few public relations courses, uh, as well as a couple of just general communications as well. Um, so it's kind of a matter of uh, narrowing that uh, or narrowing that down. It's uh, been kind of a challenge for a couple of years, but I think what I've kind of decided is just somewhere along the lines of agricultural advocacy, something to really, you know, show or give farmers a voice and like, especially in legislation and just really connecting with consumers and kind of, you know, bridging that gap between the consumer knowledge and the agricultural industry. And Dawson, I think that segues pretty nicely into my last question for you. You're a young person in agriculture. You're excited. It sounds like about your future career and going to Iowa State and all those things, but what has you most excited when you think about agriculture? I mean, like you said, there's a lot of challenges that we're going to have to overcome here with advocacy, but why do you, why are you excited to continue to pursue a career in this field? Well, um, growing up taking agricultural classes, classes, you know, the basics that you learn is that agriculture is what provides your food, fiber, and fuel. And so I think, think that's really important uh, for people to really think about. And so going into this field, it's, it's really working with a way to promote that. And it, it just gets me excited at the fact that, you know, you're, it's an industry that essentially powers the world. Definitely Dawson. And I know that I can relate to that a little bit and hopefully some of our listeners can relate as well. Um, we just want to thank you for coming on to the podcast today. And we just are excited to see what the Heartland Report and you have for the future. All right. Thank you. Again, a big thank you there to Dawson. You can check out his blog if you go to theheartlandreport.news.blog. So again, a big thank you to, to Dawson. It's exciting to see young people like Dawson, like Ashton, like Madison, all interested in telling agriculture's story in some shape or form. It certainly is. And folks, if you want to hear those folks telling their story, you can find it on our website. Go to agnewsdaily.com. Get connected with our past episodes as well as all of the other podcasts on the Global Ag Network. And let us know what's happening in your part of the world. Find us on social media. You'll be chatting with Ashton at Ag News Daily on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. With that, Ashton, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.